You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN's Daily Energy Blog, which is a fun and informative daily commentary on oil, gas, NGL, and renewable markets. Each morning, we cover commodity fundamentals and industry changes to keep you informed of developing trends across the energy landscape. Wednesday, September 14, 2022. Simply unaffordable. How sky-high natural gas prices affect international gas markets, published by Richard Pratt. With international gas prices ranging somewhere between ridiculous and ludicrous since last fall, the entire global trade of LNG is going through an unprecedented period of change as gas-consuming nations try to cope with the current situation and seek protection from tight supplies and high prices in the future. The problems of Europe in securing supplies for the imminent winter have been well documented here and elsewhere in the trade press. In addition to being a major struggle for consumers and a headwind to economic development, there are also numerous, less obvious consequences of the tectonic shifts in gas fundamentals, including countries' individual plans for long-term energy supplies, potential tax-related issues, the contractual structures used to transact LNG, and even the assessments of the commodity price itself. These issues aren't new and, in many cases, have been discussed for years. What's changed is that extremely high prices have thrown into sharp relief any inefficiency or risk that exposes market participants. In today's RBN blog, We consider the impact of high global gas prices on countries in Asia and Europe and how pricing mechanisms might be affected. Months before the possibility of a Russian invasion of Ukraine became apparent, the Dutch TTF price for pipeline gas and the JKM price of LNG in Asia had risen to historic, sustained highs. Russia's actions and European sanctions since then have only made an already expensive price environment even worse for gas buyers, not only in Europe but globally. For prices to fall back to some semblance of normality requires a resetting of the supply-demand balance, one in which increased Russian pipeline gas flows are unlikely to play a part. Instead, there is increasing emphasis on U.S.-sourced LNG as a means of replacing Russian gas supplies. See our blog called Help is on its way. Although U.S. exports to Europe are at all-time highs, considerably more LNG supply is needed and will take three to four years to facilitate as U.S. export infrastructure is built out and improvements are made to the European gas pipeline network to accommodate the new flows. See you don't own me. This is the thinking behind expectations that high LNG prices are likely to persist for several years. And with gas prices so high that's thrown traditional price relationships out the window. Historically, natural gas and crude oil have traded at a relatively stable ratio to each other, with natural gas priced at a discount to crude oil and petroleum products on a per million BTUs basis. That ratio was thrown out of whack, in the US at least, due to the advent of the shale revolution but natural gas still remained cheap compared to liquid hydrocarbons, we discussed the evolution of that relationship in ratio gaga. LNG prices in Asia and Europe have been trading above their oil price equivalent since the second half of 2021 and the gap between gas and oil has only widened in recent months. Take the reported Asian LNG price assessment of $70 per million BTU in late August, which is equivalent to an oil price of more than $400 per barrel. The inversion of this traditional relationship raises some serious questions as to the future of gas pricing regionally and globally, and has major implications for developing markets in Asia, which have so far been regarded as the next regional growth market. For example, for Japanese buyers under term LNG contracts linked to crude via the Japanese Custom Cleared Import Price, or JCC, see our blog called Courtesy of the Red, White and Blue, which usually settles within about 10% of dated Brent, the new price relationship could be a boon with those prices $40 per m2 to $50 per m2 cheaper than JKM since mid-August. However, 
For those LNG buyers attempting to purchase spot cargoes, the situation is challenging to say the least. And with gas prices potentially staying elevated while the global market rebalances on less gas from Russia, that could mean these price relationships also stay skewed for an extended period. And pricing structures that arose under the old price regime will need to be reassessed. The LNG industry's growth can be attributed largely to rising energy demand around the world coupled with declines in indigenous gas supplies in many developed and developing nations, to which, more recently, the move away from coal and nuclear power generation can be added. In a lot of these countries, gas transmission systems were already in place and ready to receive LNG imported via either land-based projects or floating storage and regasification units, or FSRUs, sea ship of fuels. Countries in this category include Vietnam, Thailand, the Philippines, and Pakistan. Although these countries each have their own gas reserves, they are in decline against a background of increasing energy demand and the desire to replace coal or oil-fired power generation. Another feature of these markets is that domestic gas prices are kept low by the government, with typical prices of $5.7 per million BTU. These prices are sufficient to encourage gas development by exploration companies but are inevitably below the value of the crude oil that the companies were drilling for in the first place. As a consequence, by restricting the price they pay for domestic supply, these countries can afford to import volumes of LNG at higher prices without necessarily making their weighted average cost of gas, or WACOG, prohibitive. In fact, this very strategy was employed by the British Gas Council, or BGC, in the 1970s. The BGC used its single buyer, or monopsony, power to keep the price of domestically produced gas low and allowed it to purchase gas from the Norwegian Frigg field and its satellites at prices more reflective of those paid in continental Europe. The result was that UK industry and gas consumers enjoyed excellent security of supply at prices below those found in Europe. However, as domestic gas supplies in these countries dwindle, the proportion of imported LNG grows, and the WACOG grows with it, especially if the LNG is purchased on the highly volatile spot market. Take, for example, the dilemma facing Thailand at present. Supplies of pipeline gas from neighboring Myanmar have declined, as have domestic supplies, obliging Thailand's state-owned PTT to purchase record volumes of high-priced LNG. And there is a further knock-on effect at play in Thailand. In an effort to encourage competition among suppliers as a means of reducing energy prices the government there has taken the first steps toward liberalizing its gas market and has licensed seven companies to import LNG for their own needs, based on power generation demand. But with Asian LNG price assessments at the levels we have seen in the last year, these buyers are priced out of the international LNG market and instead purchase their gas from PTT, whose WACOG is much lower the end result has been that the high prices of LNG have frustrated the effort to liberalize the Thai gas markets and the desire to lower energy costs. Vietnam faces a similar dilemma. The government there has invited developers of independent power projects, or IPPs, to submit plans for LNG-fired power facilities as a means of reducing the nation's reliance on coal-fired power. IPPs are usually structured in a way that allows for the fuel cost to be passed on to the electricity buyer, typically a state-owned utility under a power purchase agreement, or PPA. But IPPs and, more importantly, their state-owned power buyers simply cannot afford to pay fuel prices remotely resembling the levels seen in the past year and are unlikely to be approved by regulators unless they can guarantee the production of power at economically acceptable prices. The common denominator in both Vietnam and Thailand is that diminished supplies and high international prices for LNG have stymied their attempts to provide affordable energy. Situations like those two outlined above beg the question as to whether LNG prices will be reined in and in what sort of time frame. 
Part of the answer will depend on whether natural gas returns to its traditional price relationship with other fuel forms or is instead undergoing a fundamental shift in its value compared to other fuels. In the meantime, Asian spot gas buyers can do little but look on with horror at the LNG prices reported in the trade press. It must be stressed that these prices are assessments compiled by price reporting agencies, PRAs, based on discussions with market participants, from which they derive their numbers. In some cases, the numbers are derived from bid and offer prices reported by market players. A complicating feature of this mechanism that the PRAs must manage is that much of the information is provided by parties whose portfolios benefit from seeing high price assessments. Only in a limited number of cases are assessments based on arm's length, documented deals. The PRAs want their assessments to be reliable and reflective of actual market sentiment because there is a tremendous financial opportunity to sell subscriptions for their price publications, especially if contracting parties in LNG trades use the published prices as an index in contracts for spot and term transactions, analogous to the way in which oil prices have traditionally been used in LNG commerce. That's because when a particular reported price becomes entrenched in multi-million dollar contracts, parties to the deal become locked in subscribers of the price service. Despite this strong motivation to get it right, the reliance of these price assessments based on the evaluations of journalists and traders as well as a lack of transparency into real transaction prices can result in uncertainty around the reported prices. Further, in a volatile pricing environment the gap between bids and offers can be several dollars, but the assessed prices are a single number, typically quoted to three decimal places, and the price level that gets assessed matters a lot these days with prices so high. Any purchaser agreeing to buy based on the spot price assessment would be well advised to insist on a price cap, probably with a floor requested by the seller, or the right to reduce their volume offtake if they cannot recover the costs of their purchase. European countries have recently raised the possibility of creating gas price caps which, if implemented, would inevitably impact the PRAs. If used in term contracts, spot price indices could replace the use of crude oil prices. But, whereas oil-linked LNG sales and purchase agreements, or SPA, are based on observed prices for oil transacted under arm's-length terms, such as JCC crude oil data, see my favorite mistake for how the JCC works, no trading platform for LNG has been adopted by the industry that might facilitate the development of a verifiable LNG spot price index. The lack of a transparent index might help entrench the continued use of oil price indexation, which is favored by many projects, given that they are also oil producers. There are other potential solutions to limit exposure to spot price assessments, one of which is to cap the LNG price at a percentage of crude oil as a means of preventing the oil-LNG price relationship from going out of kilter. As an example of this sort of mechanism, BP recently announced a deal with Beach Energy of Australia in which the LNG to be sold by Beach is priced on a combination of Platts JKM and the Brent crude oil price and includes a floor. Given recent market uncertainty and volatility, including the price crash of 2020 and the current high price market environment, there are strong incentives for buyers and sellers to work together to explore various pricing structures to mitigate as much risk as possible and periodically review which pricing mechanisms for medium and long-term supplies of LNG are most effective. Developing pricing formally acceptable to both sides will take time and runs the risk of adding to delays for projects currently looking to take FID and especially those whose output will be directed at replacing Russian gas supplies in Europe. In the short term, the current high price, high volatility environment comes with a host of issues for gas buyers in Europe, especially those cut off from Russian supplies, some obvious, some less so. For example, a particular problem arises with regard to credit and cash flow. 
a cargo of 70,000 Montana LNG at an assessed spot price of $40 per million BTU, for example, would require a payment of about $150 million, typically within 10 days of cargo receipt. However, the cost of this gas, if passed on to downstream buyers, will not be fully recovered for up to a couple of months, giving rise to a cash flow crunch. As LNG cargo purchases typically require the issue of a standby letter of credit, or LC, there is the question as to 1. Whether a bank would issue such a document for $150 million to a company that may be unable to recover the cost of the cargo and 2. How much the letter of credit would cost. Several gas marketing companies have already gone bankrupt in the UK through being unable to recover their gas purchase costs, and Uniper had to be bailed out by the German state after losing 12.3 billion euros, or about $12.3 billion, in the first six months of the year. It would appear that some buyers could be left with the option to renegotiate their gas purchase agreements default, or risk insolvency, none of which are easy choices. In the case of Uniper, the German government has taken a 30% stake in the company as part of its bailout plan, which begs the question as to whether nationalization, or renationalization, of some gas suppliers might be in the offing. Such a move would have negative implications for the EU's policies of promoting energy market liberalization but perhaps energy security, which has been taken for granted in Europe for a long time, will take precedence over competition. Another issue surrounding high prices is how they might benefit certain gas market participants. Consider the case of a large wholesale marketer, we'll call it Company A, that holds LNG capacity at an import terminal in Europe and also has an upstream supply of LNG. In this case, the supply of LNG is met by an offshore affiliate, Company B. Such companies are usually registered in countries with favorable tax regimes, such as Singapore, that offer a tax break on LNG trading. If the offshore affiliate sells LNG to its European counterpart at, say, a slight discount to TTF to cover terminal costs, then Company A can resell the regasified LNG at the TTF price, or close to it, but Company B will book a large profit which will be taxed at a lower rate. Because there is no transparent market for DES, delivery X ship, LNG sales, Company A can argue that the price it paid is in fact the market price for LNG DES at the terminal. We can add that the transfer of LNG between affiliates does not require the incursion of LC costs. The PRAs now issue assessments in relation to TTF that the reporters determine would apply to arms-length DES transactions in Europe, but they differ among the reporting entities, and it is unclear if they could form the basis for taxation of non-arms-length sales. The discount between these assessments and TTF has recently exceeded $10 per million BTU. As we discussed in our series about the Brent crude oil complex, see our blog called Lift Me Up, when oil is produced in the North Sea and exported from Sullum for example, the UK tax authorities suspected the integrated majors were transferring their equity crude oil to their refining affiliates at an undervalue since the upstream was taxed at a higher rate than the downstream refining business. The offshore tax office demanded that the companies sell their crude in the market on arm's length terms to establish a discoverable price, and this was the genesis of the dated, or 14-day, Brent market, which was the precursor to the Brent futures contract and which in turn went on to become the Brent complex whose price signals have been the international benchmark for sales of crude oil globally. Will the current environment of price risks spur the development of a transparent market for DS-LNG transactions around Europe? So far, LNG players have shown little appetite for promoting price discovery. See, that's all right, but it's something that regulators and tax authorities may consider. Simply Irresistible was written by Robert Palmer and appears as the first song on his ninth studio album, Heavy Nova. Released as the first single from the album in June 1985, the song went to number one on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart and number two on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles Chart.
It won Palmer a Grammy Award the following year. Personnel on the record were, Robert Palmer, on lead and backing vocals, William Bryant, Misha Schneider, Jeff Bova, Richard Gibbs, on keyboard synthesizers and programming, Eddie Martinez, Dennis Budimir, John Gray, on guitars, Frank Blair, on bass, Denis Wyan on drums, and Claire Fisher, on strings. Heavy Nova was recorded during 1987 at Compass Point in Nassau with Robert Palmer producing. Released in June 1988, it went to number 13 on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart and has been certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Five singles were released from the LP. Robert Palmer was an English singer, songwriter, musician and record producer. He started his professional career with the Alan Bound set, Dada, and Vinegar Joe before pursuing a solo career. During 1985-87 he was the singer in Power Station. As a solo artist he released 14 studio albums, 3 live albums, 11 compilation albums and 53 singles. Palmer died in Paris in September 2003. Thanks for listening to the RBN Daily Energy Blogcast. For more information on energy market reports, maps and consulting engagements, please visit us at rbnenergy.com. And thanks for rocking with us.